0: Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention
1: the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, July fifteenth, twenty 2022.
2: I'm your host, Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Cruz is accused of having a chaotic safety culture. Senator Joe Manchin squashes Democrats' climate and tax proposals. And the Motor Cities Auto Show puts Detroit back in the name. Plus a conversation about how to attract more women to work in dealership service departments. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry.
1: A person claiming to be an employee of Cruise is accusing the self-driving company of having a chaotic culture that puts users at risk. The alleged whistleblower made the accusations in an anonymous letter to California regulators. The letter reached the California Public Utility Commission two weeks before the regulators cleared Cruise's robo-taxis for commercial services. It says at least one documented safety concern went unaddressed for months. The person also said the company hid information about crashes involving the company's vehicles from employees who worked on critical safety systems. A spokesperson for the commission said the agency is looking into the concerns raised in the letter, but did not say whether commissioners were aware of its existence when they voted on June 2nd to approve Cruz's application. Cruz is majority owned by General Motors.
2: Senator Joe Manchin reportedly told Democratic leaders on Thursday that he won't support their economic package. The spending plan includes new money to address climate change, as well as tax hikes for corporations and the wealthy. The news first reported by The Washington Post could be bad news for those who want the package to include expanded tax credits for EVs. Manchin has been vocally critical of expanding EV tax credits in the past but it's not clear what kind of support a standalone bill might have in Congress. Several red states are now home to large EV and battery plants. Two top-level executives at Ford
1: are retiring. Hao Tai Tang is one of the automaker's top product development and purchasing leaders. He'll leave the company on October 1st. Also, Frederick Tony, who leads Ford's customer service division, will retire December 1st. Ford said Tony will be replaced by Dave Bozeman, who most recently was vice president of Amazon Transportation Services. Bozeman, who has also worked at Harley-Davidson, will also lead Ford Blue's enthusiast vehicle brands in the U.S., including Bronco, Raptor, and Mustang. Ford did
2: not immediately name a replacement for Titan. And the North American International Auto Show is now the North American International Detroit Auto Show. The Motor City's name is back in the event's title for the first time since it took the international moniker in 1989. The Detroit Auto Show dates back more than a century. This year's show will be the first since 2019 because of schedule changes and the pandemic. Organizers say this year's event will be different than in years past. Rather than big Taj Mahal displays that attendees are used to, automakers are investing in more experiential offerings. They include Bronco Mountain, a roller coaster-like metal and wood structure designed to flaunt the power of Ford's popular SUV, as well as indoor and outdoor rides and vehicles. The event will be at Detroit's Huntington Place September 14th through the 25th. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, what do you think of this news about Joe Manchin putting the brakes on Democrats' spending plans? Do you think that's the nail in the coffin for expanding EV tax credits? At first, I thought maybe it wasn't because there are so many Republican senators
1: in states where Toyota has a big presence. Toyota has just run out of its full tax credits and has asked Congress to expand or renew them. Perhaps there could be enough Republican senators who would work with Democrats to work on the EV tax credit expansion. But the way things are in Washington right now, there's not a lot of interest in bipartisan cooperation, and this might be the end for at least this session.
2: Of course, we'll stay on top of that story here on Daily Drive and on autonews.com. Coming up, women make up half of the U.S. population, but less than 5% of technicians in dealership service departments. What can be done to increase the number of women turning wrenches? That's next on Daily Drive.
0: The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every 3 minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The auto industry has been facing a technician shortage crisis for several years. Many efforts are underway to recruit more young people into dealership service departments. But what about a movement to motivate more women and girls to become techs? The Tech Force Foundation interviewed several female techs in different transportation industries to see how more women could be encouraged to join the profession. Fixed Ops Journal Editor-in-Chief, Dan Schein, spoke with the Foundation's Chief of Diversity and Inclusion, Dana Rappaport, to see what they learned. Here's their conversation. Dana Rappaport, Chief of Diversity and Inclusion for TechForce
3: Foundation. Welcome to the Fixed Ops Friday edition of Daily Drive. Thank you for having me. So Tell us a little bit about TechForce Foundation, what it is, what it does.
4: So, what we are all about is helping young people get into their technical education for careers as technicians in all forms of transportation. So, aviation, automotive, marine, diesel, motorcycles, motorsports, ATVs, RVs. Basically, if it moves people and things and it needs someone to service it, we're here to help.
3: Okay. And you also, within the foundation, have an initiative called the Women Techs Rock. Uh, tell us a little bit we about do. that.
4: So one of the things that TechForce pays attention to is the workforce shortage. It's huge. We have this enormous gap and this giant need of technicians. So we started to really peel it apart to try and understand what, what mechanisms, what things can be tweaked to try and help solve that shortage. And when we start looking at the data, you start to see that of the employed technicians, less than 2% of them are women so you start to wonder if we filled the gap with more women would we solve some of the workforce shortage so we decided that it was best if we went and found as many of those 2% as we could and then interview them specifically so we could record their journey you know learn how did they get there what inspired them what barriers did they face if any How did they get through those barriers? You know, all these things that they had to go through to get to where they are today and then share those stories with other young ladies to inspire other young ladies into this profession. So for Women Tech's Rock, we were able to highlight one woman a week for 52 weeks in honor of the fact that 52% of the population is women.
3: And what did you learn from these women? I'm going to guess that this hasn't been smooth sailing for them, that they've probably encountered Bias, discrimination, uh, discouragement. Yeah. What what, did you, what were some of their stories?
4: So, I think the, the biggest surprise out of it is that 100% of the women we spoke to said that at some point they were harassed or they were biased against them or there was some issue because they were a female in a perceived as a man's job. So, the fact that 100% of the women that we talked to had that happen was to me a little surprising. I thought maybe we'd find one or two that's never encountered a problem, but that was not the case. We also learned very deeply that these women just want to be recognized for being really good technicians and good at their job and not because that they're women at their job. While that's a, a helpful thing in some respects, and they they understand that, and they're here to help inspire other young ladies, they really didn't want to be called out because they were a female tech. They want to be called out because they're really good at what they do. So that to me was an important point because virtually every female we spoke to said that exact same thing. The other thing we learned is that these women are the kind of women that are fearless in some respects. So they don't have, they don't take issue at taking something apart and putting it back together if they know how to do it or they don't, but their minds work in a very sort of specific way of problem solving. They're very good at it. In fact, they excel at it. And in fact, it's been tracked that departments that have more women involved tend to have higher customer satisfaction. The women pay more attention to what they're doing, and it's very different than a man. Not that the men don't, they do, but women are more attached somehow to the the function of what they're doing. So if they're fixing a, a car, a minivan, or whatever they're already sitting there going, well, I better do a good job because this is going to get someone to work. This is going to feed a family. This is going to get kids to school. They see where their value lies in the bigger scope of what they're doing, which is different and nice. And then I guess the other thing is, is that for the most part, women didn't feel welcome or unwelcomed when they joined their employer. They sort of felt very ambivalent to it the issue, until they recognized that others in the organization took issue with it. So one of the biggest takeaways is that the culture of your employer mattered the most to these women. That's just a few things we learned.
3: Yeah. And I was surprised to read that despite some of the challenges that these women face in their careers in the the workforce, that most of them, a majority of them, recommend this to other women, that this is something that they should pursue? Why why do you think that is? Absolutely.
4: Well, first of all, the women didn't, I mean, to them, yes, it's a job, but they saw it as a career because they see that there's a lot of opportunity for them. So they may go from technician to service advisor to service leader, director, manager, all these other opportunities existed, and they understand that. So that was a a big differentiator. It was the women were looking for that kind of career. They weren't looking to just be a tech, which is interesting. And also they felt that they were doing something they were passionate about. So one of the biggest things that they said, in fact, almost almost 100% of the women, when we asked the question, what would you tell a young girl? who's looking at what do I do with my life? What, what job can I pursue? They said, follow your passion. So these women are very passionate about problem solving, very passionate about continuously learning. They're excited about the future. And a lot of these women have a, they lean towards this advanced technology. So things like EV and autonomous vehicles and hybrids, are very exciting, they can decipher that and pull apart those issues so well. They're detail-oriented. We see a lot of women who gravitated in their early education careers from things like robotics and electronics that were their favorite classes go into this profession. And not everybody stays at the technician area. It was clear, we saw a lot of women move through their careers away from just being a tech where we might not see that as commonly from some of the other groups that are technicians.
3: And in the time remaining we have, I wanted to get over two things. And that's kind of tips on for employers to recruit more women techs. And then also when they do have them and how the best way they can to hang on to them to retain them. So, but let's first talk about some tips for employers who want to recruit more women as, as techs.
4: So remember, people are out there looking. So in your marketing materials, in, the, in your recruiting materials, show women. It sounds like such an obvious and easy thing, but it's overlooked a lot. So, you know, show women, because if women can see themselves in that role, they're more likely to self-identify that that's a place they'd like to work. Employers should be open and honest about do they have a diversity plan? Do they have mechanisms set up? To deal with a diverse population, there's a lot of these women that were the one and only woman in the shop, and they aren't asking for special anything really, but they may have different issues and is the shop ready to deal with some of those issues and people doing the hiring may get asked those types of questions, those are things women are looking for. And family-friendly means something different to women, particularly younger women who want to start a family. So are you family-friendly? Can they go ahead and have their career and a family? That's an important part of their lives. So make sure as an employer, you have a good, solid answer. And I think that it's important that when they come in to interview, that you set them up for success right away. So if you're going to tour them through the shop, And every workstation in the shop is going to have a pinup calendar. You might want to think twice about that. You know, be sensitive to how they may perceive those things, whether they perceive them at all or whether they perceive them as, you know, a problem, but be sensitive to the kind of atmosphere that you're sharing from the minute they walk through the door. From the interview straight through, if you don't have a changing room or a locker room for women, be honest about it and tell them how you're going to accommodate that situation and what your plans are for the future. There's a lot of shops. We're not ready to accommodate women technicians.
3: So let's say I'm an auto dealer and a dealership. My service department, I have women techs and Carlisle & Company reports that about a quarter of techs left their jobs uh, last year. How do I keep my women techs from defecting or Going to a new career or leaving for another shop,
4: give them uh, advantage just like you would any of their other techs. So give them continuous learning, keep them up to date and trained. Send them to the right and appropriate events and industry gatherings so that they maintain themselves as part of it and can go forward. And I think that it's you know retaining them also means that you have to treat them as an equal. We saw a lot of women that would join a shop and then they'd be put on like the lube station for a year when other technicians were being, you know, they'd be on it for a month and then they'd be in their own bay. So make sure that you're utilizing them well and that you're utilizing them correctly. And remember, women are going to talk to other women. So word will get around if you aren't treating them, you know, with fairness and equality and respect, it gets around. So remember that you want to always view them as an independent individual and they're doing something wonderful at work. Acknowledge them like you would anybody else.
3: That's a good point. Good place to end it. Dana Rappaport, Chief of Diversity and Inclusion at Tech Force Foundation. Thanks so much for joining
1: us.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: Dana Rappaport is Chief of Diversity and Inclusion for the Tech Force Foundation. She spoke with Fixed Ops Journal Editor-in-Chief, Dan
2: Schein. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer, Jake Neer, for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on fixed ops, federal EV tax credits, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com.
1: Come back Monday for a conversation with Edward Hightower, the new CEO of Lordstown Motors and the first black CEO of a U.S. auto company in more than a century. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.